Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Tuesday, August 10th. Mark, thank goodness you have an editing ability because I just seem to be tripping over my words today. Yeah, Mark says as an Emmy winner, I shouldn't be tripping up. The guy who is the executive producer of Sunday Morning is well known at CBS. His name is Rand Morrison to be the guy who makes you retract, do the voiceover stuff about a thousand times. So the fact that I actually survived eight different pieces with him is truly remarkable. Love you, Rand. Um, Okay, if you've got a financial question, give us a shout. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. And our website is jillonmoney.com. And we've got a beautiful contact button. Um, Let's get through some emails because as Mark likes to say, they are piling up. This is an email from Tony. Wants to know whether he can retire early. He says, according to the Fidelity Retirement Calculator, I can. I just want a second and third opinion. If I leave the workplace, I don't think I can come back. I will be too old. After all, who would hire me? You never know. Uh, He's 58. Okay, so here's the data. He's got 750 grand in 401k IRA. He's got 30 grand cash on hand. He's got a personal portfolio of $70,000. He makes about 130 grand annually, lives in the Bay Area, wants to retire this year when he turns 58. He says, I'm planning to live until I'm 90. I'm single, no kids. I would like to leave my nephew and nieces all my real estate but I don't have to. Since I'll be leaving my workplace, I can use the 50 rule. So the 55 rule is a way to get money out of your 401k, out of your pre-tax money. You have to take basically a distribution. You have to almost treat it like an annuity. You have to take the same amount out every year based on your life expectancy. Okay. So then he says he needs four grand a month to live his current lifestyle. He's got three houses two rentals and one uh, his personal residence. The three homes worth around $3 million. The debt is uh, $750,000. Rental income, positive cash flow, $2,500 a month. But he doesn't want to use it in his retirement calculation. He says, just want to assume I break even with my rentals. He said, I would take Social Security at age 67 would be about $3,000 a month. Assuming $4,000 of monthly expenses, $850,000 in 401k, three grand of social security starting at age 67, and a little cash, do I have enough to live on until I'm 90? Why am I not able to include his rental income, Mark? That doesn't seem, I I don't see, you're right, he needs $1,500 a month, okay? And you know what? That you can do, but you have to include the rental income. That's what we need. 
We need that because your 850 grand, by the way, is not enough for you to do this because you're going to have to spend, I, I, I'm sure that Fidelity tells you you could, you could, if it like you basically go to zero on your, on your money and you, I think that would be a very bad idea. So what you're going to do is you would end up taking money out of this retirement account, paying the tax due. The ideal scenario is that you try not to take as much money out of your retirement account. You know how I'd like to redo this? Here's my guess about how we could make this work. I'd like you to work a couple more years and I'd like you to build up your cash on hand. And then I want to see if we can maybe, instead of worrying about your rule of 55, you already be 59 and a half. And then we don't have to start messing around with that as as a reality. But I think that what we really want you to do is to not burn up all that cash in your personal portfolio on hand. We want you to build it up. And in fact, I probably would stop putting money in uh, to the retirement account pre-tax. If we include the rental income, you're fine. You're totally fine. If we don't, you're not. He didn't say anything about healthcare. And I'm wondering, you know, he says $4,000 of monthly expenses. My guess is that I hope that that includes healthcare because you're going to have to pay for healthcare and that's going to be whatever. It's going to be 10, 12 grand a year for yourself. You know, if you have good healthcare, especially through your employer and you got to pay that for five years. So Maybe you need five grand a month, in which case the scenario of doing this and waiting makes a lot more sense. If I'm missing something, Tony, let me know. This is a plan that can be executed with the rental income, and otherwise, I don't think it works as well. Um, Mark says, what's up with the rental income? Doesn't seem like a lot of income that you're getting, and you're in the Bay Area on these. Um, He makes a great point, which is if you sold one of those properties, you'd be golden. You totally would be golden. Don't worry about the nieces and nephews. Let's take care of you first. Uh, This is, oh, it's another question about this Washington state long-term care tax. So Kim writes that she and her husband are in their late 30s. They make income of about $270,000. They've got a net worth of $1.2 million. We have two young children. Our advisor is recommending a variable universal life policy with a long-term care rider. The death benefit is 250 grand, the long-term care benefit 250. I believe the cost of the insurance is 2 grand a year, but I kn- don't know the cost of the long-term care rider at the moment. Do you think I need this? Should I just self-insure when I need to in the future? Thank you. Mark, would you like to um, guess my answer on this? Yeah, self-insure. That's a hard no, don't buy this. What kind of financial advisor is nonsense. Uh, Kay says, I'm entering the world of private practice after eight years of schooling and training to earn a PhD in psychology. I'm learning a lot about establishing an LLC. Two things that have been on my mind I'm hoping you can help me with. Do you know of a CPA near Atlanta that has experience with small business or someone that specializes in psychology private practice? I'm hoping to start off my practice on the right foot with an effective accounting system. I don't know anyone offhand, even though I was just with 1,600 CPAs. But what I will tell you is that any CPA can help you with this. This is something they do all the time. You know what I would do? I would talk to some of your shrink friends who might be already established and get some names from them. That's what I would do. The second question I can help you with, uh, retirement plans. 
Kay's husband has a Roth through work. He contributes 14%. She has a Roth IRA with Vanguard, just a bit of money into it, into it and she's contributing, uh, you know, small numbers. She says they anticipate that they're going to make less than $200,000 in 2021 and 2022. They may end up making more than that in 2023. I'd like to complete my retirement planning through Vanguard. I'm wondering if you could suggest a 401k or maybe it's a SEP IRA if that matters. I have an LLC that will be filed as an S corp. Those are two different structures. It's a, you're probably just going to have an LLC. You should go to Vanguard and you will probably be, you're probably the only member of your LLC. You won't have employees. And as long as you don't have employees, then you should get a solo 401k. That is what you should do. You can certainly do that. Just, you know, Vanguard will walk you through the steps you need to take. Okay. Uh, okay. This is from Shin who says, subject, am I doing things right or wrong? I'm going to err on the side of right, uh, especially because of this first sentence. Hi, Jill. I'm new to your podcast. I enjoyed them so much. I just bought your book. This is the publishing company's dream. That's what they want. I am someone whose personal financial decisions have been shaped by my immigrant parents business owners who experienced both the highs and lows, got into serious debt, didn't know about 529 plans, wasn't able to help me with school. I helped and continue to help my parents financially. Even though I've had a great job, I have persistent anxiety that I'm not doing the right thing with my money and that I'm, quote, behind. Listen to this. How freaking amazing. I finished paying off my $120,000 of student loans last year. And now I'm trying to figure out what to do with the extra. As background information, I'm in a long-term relationship. We're ride or die partners who want to be together forever without getting married. Okay, good. They're four, 34 years old. They make about $300,000 split pretty equally. They max out their retirement accounts. Wasn't always the case since he didn't start off his career um, making as much money. Okay. The total worth of those accounts is about a half a million dollars. Great. Fantastic. Can you imagine? By the way, this person has almost $390,000 in a retirement account and paid off their student loans. We have several individual and joint accounts, 31 grand in emergency. So they got a bunch of stuff, house repair fund, vacation fund, family vacation fund that, uh, that with a sibling contribute to blah, blah, blah. Um, some money in taxable accounts and they did a backdoor Roth this year. Great. My partner has investments in various stocks with TD Ameritrade. So there's a bunch of money. Okay. What else do they have? They have, oh, this is so funny. We have a 30-year mortgage, $254,000 at 3.3%. Oh my God, they're paying an extra 700 bucks a month because we can. I know the numbers say it's better to invest the extra money instead of paying off a low interest loan, but I just have anxiety about having any debt. So this brings me peace of mind. House is worth, so the mark, the house is worth 400, 250 grand in debt, and they're making extra payments. They've got car loans. They also pay extra on those. Car loans are cheap, 2%. Am I being too illogical in all these different funds? Does it matter if I choose to pay off my mortgage sooner instead of investing? Should I use a Roth 403B at work instead of the traditional now that they offer it? 
What should I do with my extra money? Long-term, I want to help my parents financially. They're way behind in their own retirement savings. I'm sure I'm going to think of more questions once I hit submit. I've got to stop somewhere. If you and or Mark really do read this and are able to give me advice, I will be forever grateful. I think I spend too much time trying to make sense of all the information out there and I don't feel confident. Thank you. This is classic analysis paralysis, so I understand that. It's also really under, I can't, I mean, it's so funny because Mark, how many times do we have first generation folks who basically articulate this very thing? Like I saw my parents struggle. I don't want to screw up. It's either that or they've totally screwed up because they don't want to live as sort of meagerly as their family did. So first and foremost, Mark, should we, um, should we give them permission to pay down the mortgage just to give peace of mind? Okay, Mark wants to wants to negotiate with you. Okay, Mark wants to see would it be okay if you took half of the money to pay it down and use the other half with the money that you were putting down towards your debt if you could take the other half and make that part of your brokerage account. Could you do that? I was going to be a little bit more generous than mean Mark. I was going to say instead of 700 a month, maybe 500 a month. But if you'd slice it down a little bit, then I do like the idea that you would essentially create a nice, big, non-retirement investment account. I think that would be fantastic for you guys. It doesn't really matter whether you have separate funds for vacations or houses or anything, as long as you're not getting charged any fees on these accounts. So that's fine. I don't think it's a bad thing to try to help your family as long as you get your needs met. So I think you guys should be maxing retirement accounts. And since you already have so much money pre-tax, I think it would be great to use a Roth. Don't you, Mark? Mark's already said yes, of course. So they're in the 24% tax bracket. Let's let them do it. I mean, actually, they're not. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because they're right. They're not. They, they are. They're in the 24% tax bracket because they're filing singly. They're not married. So yeah, you're in the 24% tax bracket. Yes, use the Roth. Absolutely. And think of it this way, instead of paying down your house, that if you accumulate a nice big chunk of money outside of retirement, that's the money that you could potentially use to help out your folks. So I think that that's a good game plan. Let's see if we can do it. Last question, which it says, if you read this, it must be anonymous. And by the way, when saying I must be anonymous, it was bold and in red. I love this. So maybe other single parents will be encouraged by my story. Maybe they will not feel guilty about saving for their retirement versus their children's college. I got a late start saving for retirement because back in the day, many jobs didn't offer 401ks and I couldn't afford the initial one or three grand to open a brokerage account. I'm 58 years old with two children under the age of 21 who are living at home, working and attending junior college. The early years were tough. We're talking $1,100 to $1,400 a month in childcare costs. Divorce terms did not provide child support or allow us to move out of a high-cost state while they were minors. I worked full-time in freelance, but my back was up against a financial wall. So when the kids were itty-bitty, I sold our car and convinced them that we were going green for the environment. Co-workers thought I had a DUI. <laughs> the kids were thrilled they were helping the environment, me not so much. I pretended like Dora the Explorer that we were embarking on an adventure when we boarded our first bus with a schedule and the map 
Turns out public transportation was the perfect venue to model civility, something lost in the hustle bustle of the school's curbside drop-off lane. For example, offering seats to seniors and offering those weighed down with groceries, thanking the bus driver, conversing with elders. This is how I expect you to act when you travel alone, I instructed. I love this person. Daily, we witnessed others struggle with deprivations. Watching a bus driver assist a wheelchair-bound passenger with a tracheotomy board a bus, well, it changes you. Needs and wants came into focus. When a new phone was refurbished, was a refurbished older model, my kids expressed gratitude, not disappointment. Because I couldn't keep up with two-income families in the amenities and enrichment race, I didn't try. And instead, I stressed experiences over possessions. Our vacations were day trips, campgrounds, long-haul bus, or cross-country Amtrak jaunts because we could sleep in our seats. When two income co-workers shared that the children were visiting Europe and then they asked me what mine were doing in the summer, I deadpanned Netflix. But seriously, high school sports were a godsend. When two income parents tried to snare me into a conversation about private SAT prep and campus visits by asking what my children wanted to become, I deflected, I hope the type of person you'd want to sit next to on public transportation. Mark, this is the best. When I made motions to buy a car, my children urged me instead to save the money despite the one-hour commutes to and from high school. We went carless for 11 years. Today, we share a used car and a one-bedroom apartment. We have food, clothing, shelter, our health, employment. We are content and grateful we live in a city with great public transportation. Only once have I earned more than $80,000. My financial status pales in comparison to most of your listeners, but I learned to pay myself first using automatic allotments and passed this strategy on. Debt zero, total retirement accounts, $420,000. $34,000 in 529s, contributions stopped in elementary school, 12 grand on emergency savings, hey, I'm working on it, will and term life insurance. When my children leave for four-year colleges, I will relocate to a more affordable state. They'll leave with a combined $50,000 in savings from entry-level jobs plus Roth accounts, the means to graduate from college debt-free or travel Europe and great memories. Here are two of my favorites. When I hopped on a public bus with the youngest, the bus driver asked, are you mom? He covered the fare box and prevented my passing and said, I drive your kids to and from school every day. I imagine this unlucky driver faring unruly middle schoolers and my unchaperoned hormone monsters in the mix. I dreaded his next words. He smiled. You have two good kids. Hmm. Later, a retired neighbor reported that my high schoolers were always late for school. But when they see me, they ask me how my day is, carry my groceries, or walk me to the street. No one sees old people, but they do. Forfeiting a car seemed like a fall from grace and the middle class, but the decision saved $600 a month, and those savings helped us survive and then fund my retirement. I became a more conscious parent, modeled kindness, resiliency, and financial stewardship. Public transportation was the crucible to demonstrate that kindness is a decision, and character, how you act when you think no one is watching, is teachable. The return on that investment outshines the index funds in my portfolio. Thank you, Jill and Mark, for all your great advice. I don't even know what to say. It's like I could cry right now. I love Anonymous. 
I am so delighted that you took the time to write this. And I feel really honored to be part of that journey that you have taken. And I think that we, you know, we do talk to people who sometimes have a bunch of money and we often will hear from people who want to know, how do I make sure that my kids are responsible about their money? How do I, how do I bring them into this world? And it has to start really early. And I think that this is such a, uh, such a generous sharing of a life story that I hope you guys can get something out of. Mark, what'd you think when you read that? You think it's the best email we've ever gotten? I love that. I love that you do. It's up there. It's everything to us. And when you guys do that, you know, when Anonymous shares that, that is lifting someone up. That is doing something for someone else. That is putting Anonymous's hands metaphorically on our backs. And Mark and I are so grateful for that. This show is about helping you. Obviously, we are grateful that you write us when you send us these emails. These stories, though, they are so nurturing. They're amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sending that, sharing that with the whole Jill on Money family. We are, we are really, we're, we're gobsmacked, right? It's hard to do more than that. Grit, growth, grace, and gratitude. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.